This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg, uh, author of uh, his current book on Paramahansa Yogananda. We'll talk about that more in the discussion. Our guest today, Mr. Martin Root. He is a management consultant and co-founder and chair of the board uh, for the Center of Spirituality in the Workplace, and re really uh, perhaps the first person to bring uh, the concept of spirituality and work uh, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to an audience. So, uh, Martin, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on with us today. A pleasure, Dennis and Phil. Uh, Martin, um, we should first let our audience know that uh, in the interest of full disclosure, you and I have known each other for quite some time. Yes. And uh, we're involved in some projects together a while back. And um, uh, I will also add that I will probably slip and call you Marty, if that's permissible. <laughs> and, um, oh, sorry. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> um, we want to get into uh, your latest work uh, on Project Heaven and Earth, uh, Heaven on Earth, and, and your book of that title. Uh, but first, I uh, want to go back to uh, the context Dennis mentioned of spirituality in the workplace. When I first met you, uh, you were a pioneer in that field, and um, fill our audience in on how you came to that uh, from the time you were uh, a uh, management consultant. Uh, what was the transition to also bringing in spirituality? Sure, thank you. Um, so my, my consulting background is pretty traditional. Um, I've worked with clients like Sony Pictures, Marion Merrill Dow Consumer Pharmaceuticals, uh, Southern California Edison, Apple Computer. Um, I spoke four times at the Harvard Business School, uh, co-authored the New York Times bestseller, Chicken Soup for the Soul at Work. And things were going along pretty well. This is in the mid-80s. I was still in Toronto. And I went into this funk. I didn't know why. And uh, my marriage was great. My work was great. Um, I felt like, you know, two pieces of tongue and groove wood that had separated uh, and I ended up at a Augustinian monastery north of Toronto and had a very profound epiphany experience and I heard a voice in my head say it's about God and uh, I just knew that was the, the way those two pieces of metaphorical wood would come together and so I went back to folks in Toronto and said you know I want to talk about spirituality and work everybody said no 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 you can't you can't you'll lose your reputation uh, that summer, I went to Los Angeles and spoke with friends there, all of whom said, yes, 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 go for it. And so I saw that the issue was my fear of your reaction were I to bring up the subject of spirituality and work. So I went back to Toronto, again started talking to people. Again, they said, no, no, you can't do it, can't talk about it. And I said, but wait, I haven't defined what I mean by spirituality and work, and I'm not asking anything of you. I'm just telling you I want to start working in spirituality and work. And again, no, 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 you can't, you can't. And when I pushed them on why I couldn't, the, the fear was that I was going to proselytize, uh, that I had a particular definition of spirituality that, and, and work that I was going to shove down their throats, which wasn't true for me. But that, that response, that resistance came up so frequently that I thought, you know, there's got to be a breakthrough here. And one day the penny dropped and 
what I saw was the fear of proselytizing, the basis of that is that I have the answer. And I thought, well, what if we viewed spirituality in the workplace not as the answer, but rather the question, or, or more specifically, the inquiry, the ongoing question? Because uh, the, the metaphor for people in work is they ask the, the inquiry every day, how do I make my business more successful? And whatever answer they come up with, they, 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 they keep asking the question to, to deepen and broaden their, their uh, experience of the field. And so I began to do that. I began to say, look, you know, I want to talk about spirituality and work, if you're interested. And uh, rather than giving them a definition, because people would say, well, before we begin, Mr. Root, would you tell us what you mean? And I said, no, because if I tell you what I mean and you agree, end of conversation, if I tell you what I mean and you disagree, end of conversation. So it would be better if you defined it. And that, you know, that that they're getting that I wasn't going to impose any particular pr uh, perspective, just opened it up. And, and it was like a floodgate. Just a, I, I could see there, that there was this hunger, but there didn't seem to be any permission to talk about spirituality in this place called work. You could talk about it at home, you could talk about it in places of worship, to your friends, spiritual friends, spiritual groups, but not at work. Why not? And so that began this process of, of, uh, of inquiry and, and, and seeing how people could have that show up. And one of the results was, uh, as you mentioned in the introduction, uh, I co-founded and was chair of the board of the Center for Spirituality and the Workplace at a business school, Sobe School of Business in Canada, St. Mary's University, um, and that was the first of its kind in Canada. And it was really a beacon, it was a model. Uh, you know, people from all over the world would come and say, like, what are you doing? How are you doing this? Let me take it back to my place. And so what we were doing was normalizing the conversation of spirituality in the workplace. Martin, uh, let me ask, uh, how did it come up? I mean, when, when you started bringing this in to your conversation, uh, how did it manifest from the clientele side? How did they discuss or how did they, they uh, bring spirituality into their own work experience? How did they describe well, that? What, what questions did they ask even? Well, they described it in many ways. When I said it was inquiry, you know, they would say, well, we need more love in the work. We need more harmony. Um, I remember doing one talk to a printing company and uh, the, the printing press guys and the, the art department hated each other because the, the art department would send, it's called plates with, well, I can't use the word on the air, with crap on it, dirty plates, and uh -huh. you can't do that for a cover. And they'd been trying to get at that for years and years and years, and they had not been able to resolve it. So I said, is this a place with no spirit? Yes, yes, yes. Well, what would have it be, you know, a place with more spirit? And they said, well, let's clean this problem up. I said, good, let's stop the seminar. Let's handle this right now. And the room went crazy. No, 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 we've been trying for years. For, fine, let's handle it now. And they worked out a way. Um, that was one example. Another example, which I remember so vividly, we had a circle of people at a, at a mail order place in uh, West, I think in Washington, state and um we're going around the room and i was asking you know what's spirituality workplace for you and uh, love uh, harmony you know better relations with each other and then one woman said 
better drinks in the soft drink dispenser. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought to myself, what (laughs) does that have to do with you? So I went around the circle. Everybody answered. I came back to her. I said, help me understand, because I don't. What does having better drinks in the soft drink dispenser? She said, well, it's obvious. If your body's not healthy, then the place where the spirit resides can't be healthy either. You know, it's more difficult for the spirit. And, And what she taught me with that answer was, let them begin from wherever they want to begin. Mm. Because right. however they put their toe in the water, that's the starting place. And that's what we need to support. So I was not concerned with you know, them coming up with a specific answer. I was coming up concerned with them coming up with something that made them come alive. Because that's what spirituality in the workplace meant to them. And then they would you know, send that out into the world. And... That seemed to be very, very strong. There was another woman who did a project was fascinating, workplace altars. I think she did it for her master's degree as part of work, a sideline, rather, she was getting her master's. And she went around and saw the different kinds of religious and spiritual articles people had on their desks all around the, the, the uh, a company. And that was her project. So what was interesting it, it began you know it the other thing we um i i was a very small a teeny part in uh, in the formulation of a journal an academic journal called the journal of management spirituality and religion which still exists to this day mm. because we saw that academics had no place to uh engage in research on this topic you know because you have to publish well there's no place i can publish good let's start a journal and they did and pff, it's still going Interesting. Martinette, when you uh, were, would go into a workplace, and I'm, I'm putting it in the past tense, but I, I assume you're doing similar work uh, more recently as well. Um, but when you would and, and opened it up for this kind of discussion, um, did you find skepticism, skepticism? Did you ever run into uh, conflicts or tensions among people when, you know, subjects related to spirituality would come up? Were they able to accommodate the the vast differences in how people understood and practiced their spirituality? What what were those kind of experiences among the the people you worked with? The what was interesting was that it wasn't a permissible topic of conversation. Go back 25 years. What was permissible conversation in the workplace was, uh, you know, our marketing budget, our research budget, our, our advertising, human resources, all the traditional workplace conversations. Then I'm an alcoholic came in. Oh, you can't talk about that. We found ways to talk about it. And I'm, I'm a drug abuser. Oh, we can't talk about that. We found ways to talk about that. You know, I'm black, I'm gay, I'm a woman. Every time I've got mental illness, every time one of those conversations came in, the workplace would go crazy because there were no ways to handle it in a way that was beneficial mm-hmm. both to the enterprise and to the individual. And, and for me, this is the last uh, piece on that spectrum. So it's what, what we're, the, the strategy here is to make it a normal part of conversation if you choose, and that's very important. It has to be if you choose, um, because the skepticism and the resistance still is you're going to try to proselytize. And so mm-hmm. you've got to take that away by making it totally okay. 
So uh, ahead, you, you went from spirituality in the workplace to heaven on earth. Uh, yeah. in your book, uh, and it's it's not just heaven on earth; it's the project for heaven on earth. So uh, it's, specifically, then it's, it's yeah. project heaven on earth, both right. the noun and the verb to project heaven on earth. And how did that Very come good. about? Um, what happened was I was going to do a, a, a keynote address once in Santa Fe, New Mexico, on spirituality and work, and I was meditating in the green room, thinking beforehand. And this thought came into my mind, uh, do you want every business in the world to be spiritual? And I said, no, because what I was going for is if we could make every business in the world spiritual, because business is the temporal power in the world today, we could transform business, we could transform the world. And then this thought popped into my head, oh, you mean heaven on earth. And I could remember guys sitting there going, whoa. <laughs> You can't say that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whoa. Uh, you know, and then I'm thinking, but wait a minute. We can talk about hells on earth, can't we? That's a permissible conversation. Why can't we talk about heaven on earth? Why can't we talk about the kind of world that we deeply yearn for? And once I got that, I thought, that's it, I'm in. And what was the next step? The next step was I started talking to people. Uh, I'm not a great reader. I'm a I'm an interactor, and so I would come to you know Joe Smith and say, Joe, tell me about heaven on earth, will you? And then I go to the next person, the next person, the next person, and I began to see patterns of answers, and I I distilled that all down because of the uh, subtitle of the book. The book is Project Heaven on Earth: The Three Simple Questions That Will Help You Change the World Easily. So all of that conversation distilled itself down to three questions. And, and let me, if you're willing, I'd, I'd like you to answer them because you'll get exactly what I'm talking about here. Uh, I, I would prefer, just in the interest of time, if you would uh, just ask them and let the listeners contemplate. Sure. That's okay, okay, no problem. Yeah. yeah, no problem. So the first question is, recall a time when you experienced heaven on earth. Recall a time when you experienced heaven on earth. Second question, here's a magic wand, and with it, you can have heaven on earth. Here's a magic wand, and with it, you can have heaven on earth. What's heaven on earth for you? And the third question is, what simple, easy, concrete steps will you take in the next 24 hours? What simple, easy, concrete steps will you take in the next 24 hours to move this forward? Those three questions, when they're asked in that order, and it's on my website, projectheavenonearth.com. When those three questions are asked in that order, firstly, question one, recall the time when you experienced heaven on earth, opens up the knowing, the already knowing, I call it, that you have had at least one heaven on earth experience. And so people don't say to me, Martin, what do you mean by heaven on earth? Rather, what they do is just answer the question when I was walking in nature, when my child was born, a good meal, uh, whatever the answer is, but they know. The second question with the magic wand, the magic wand removes the necessity of having to know how you're gonna create it. And if you don't have to know how, you can go purely, purely into the what. The what is your knowing about what heaven on earth is for yourself, for your life, for your work, for the world. And then the third question 
is designed to very simply get you into action. I've begun to discover in the last two or three months the power of the word simple, that, that the, one of the driving forces in heaven on earth is the notion of simple. Or as someone said to me recently, what's your simple? So those three questions distill the work of many, many years and get people engaged very quickly. When you started asking those questions, Martin, were you surprised by the answers you received? Were there certain things that always came up or was it always very different? No. Um, what surprised me, Dennis, was how easily those three questions got people in touch with it. The, the depth of the knowing. Uh, what initially surprised me was especially the second question with the magic wand how people would just pop their answer to, to heaven on earth. Oh, heaven on earth for me is this, that, 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 and they just answer it. I had mostly still women crying. I've had women sobbing when they get what heaven on earth is for them because they know and it's been suppressed. And then to the second part of your question, there are what I call seven major gateways into heaven on earth. And that's the patterns that I've discovered, whether they're inner some people say the way to create heaven on earth is by creating it inside yourself others say through living a value in the world through relationships through ending a suffering others say no this right here this this here now is heaven on earth but our belief that it's not uh, keeps us away from the the actual experience of it so the book is about the three questions having you answer them and then discovering your unique project and when you discover it, I mean, it lights people on fire. They just, they know, this is it. It's easy for me to do. It's simple. I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. I had a question I was about to ask regarding the second of those three questions, and you kind of alluded to it. I was going to ask um, if there were patterns in the answers, but if the... Um, if you observed any kind of uh, proportion, when people say, what does heaven, and earth, heaven on earth uh, mean to them, do most people describe some set of outer circumstances? You, you said that some will say yeah. it's an inner state. Um, yeah. I'm wondering you know, if that's a very small percentage of the, of the room. No, I would say maybe 35 to 40 would be inner, mm. 45 to 50 or 60 would be outer, and a very small, I mean, I know this is not going to add up to 100, um, one, or, <laughs> yeah. one, or two per, one or 2% would say, you know, this is heaven and earth right now. Mm. Um, what I'm more interested in, I mean, those are the percentages. What I'm more interested in is, you know, was it, what is it for you right now and how can you engage? Mm -hmm. Maybe what I should do, if, you, if you'd like, is give you some examples of what people have done or, and are doing. Yeah, yeah. On my site, projectheavenonearth.com, uh, if you look at stories, I have 63 examples from all over the world that I know of. Uh, of people engaging. So it could start with something uh, as as simple as a woman in Hawaii who grew microgreens. And when Susan Alima Fryer, when we, we were talking, she said, well, I, you know, what can I do? I just grow microgreens. And so I asked her what heaven on earth was. And in essence, it was a return to the garden. 
And I, and she said, I know what I can do. She's now embedded her definition of heaven on earth into every email that she sends out. But first, at the end, she says, here's a magic wand. With it, you can have heaven on earth. What's heaven on earth for you? Then she puts her own definition in. So she did it once, and it's now embedded, every email that goes out. We had um, a, a woman in um, Nova Scotia, Canada, who was, we were on a webinar, and she was furious, really, really mad about violence against women. I've been to the, the cops. I've been to the government. Nothing. What would you do? Wow, Susan, I don't know your financial situation. You could donate $5,000. You could donate a penny. Well, what difference would a penny make? One of the other women on the call said, what if people in your county donated a penny a day to help end violence against women? She created a program called Making Change in which she gave out a little mason jar with a picture of a woman, half her face beaten up, bruised, half her face bright, alive, they raised $2,500. You could only wow. give a penny a day or more, but it had to be a day, a day, a day, a day, a day to keep it in your consciousness. They took that to the government of Canada, a group called Status of Women, who gave them, get this, $100,000 for each of the subsequent three years. And she says now wherever she goes in the county, people's first question is, what can I do? Oh, uh, a, a real estate agency that deducts $100. Canada. <laughs> <laughs> A real estate agency that deducts $100 from every commission check with permission of every agent. And they formed a program called A Home for Everyone. And they've raised over $400,000 in about five or six years. And they give out grants every year to individuals or groups who are providing homes for people. And then all the way up to a woman in Austria, Elizabeth, who said, we were doing a, a, a webinar again, and she said, I know, my project is, Austria is a heaven-on-earth country. And I said, what? And she said, yeah, Mart. I said, well, why, why? And she said, because it's simple. And she blew me away. She completely blew me away, because then I realized that simple is defined by the person speaking, not by me. Heaven-on-earth for, for Austria is simple for her, Putting a, an addendum to every email that this other woman sends is simple for her. So my question now to people, you know, when they go through this stuff, is what's your simple? Do you get resistance to the word heaven? Yes, um, because they think that I'm proselytizing a particular point of view, and would I consider changing the word? So first of all, no, I would not consider changing the world word because it's too powerful for people. Once they get, once the, the person who has resistance answers the three questions, if they're willing, they never again bring up the issue of uh, my definition of heaven because they're engaged. And, and, you know, at the beginning of the conversation, we talked about my work as a consultant with vision. Heaven on earth is much deeper than vision. It, it's divine essence. It's soul speak. It's people know what heaven on earth is and i want to bring that out and make that normal conversation mm. martin uh, the, we want to thank you for your time uh Thanks. The, the the website is www.projectheavenonearth.com we'll have all that uh posted up uh and so and is the book the book is the same title the book is on the Amazon. same title and the subtitle i believe is three uh, the three simple questions that will help you change the world easily so right. uh, 
Cer- cer- I love, certainly I love the easily part. I do too. So it's, uh, <laughs> Martin, uh, th- thanks again. Any final words you'd like to share with our listeners? No, just thank you. And, and to the listeners, I would say, look, I think, I believe you know what heaven on earth is. It's time for that to come into conscious awareness and begin taking a simple, simple step in the next 24 hours that will move that forward. Um, there's a free course on my uh, website, projectheavenonearth.com. There's the book, Project Heaven on Earth. We're here to support you. We want to make this the new story of what it means to be a human and what it means to be humanity. Great. Marty, um, for many people in America now, Canada's starting to sound like heaven on earth. <laughs> do, do you have room for me? Certainly, Phil. I've got, I've got connections here. <laughs> okay, great. All Thanks right, for great. being with us. Thank, Thank you, you so guys much. so much. Thank you.